That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It's mid-August, and sure enough, things have been heating up in China's business world. Some may be wondering whether the ongoing saga surrounding Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou could be reaching a boiling point as her extradition hearings enter their final phase. There's a huge clampdown going on on illegal surveillance. Plus, how come regulators have gotten tough on a red-hot beauty treatment? With all the juiciest journalistic nuggets from the world's most populous nation, here's your weekly update. But how about we start with some good news? China's top health authority said on Friday that more than 770 million residents have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. This means more than half of the country has been fully inoculated against the coronavirus. Several regions in China have also begun administering the jab to minors aged 12 to 17. Indeed, over 60 million doses have been given out to minors nationwide. But, of course, what is definitely not good news is that all this comes right as China is battling its worst COVID-19 outbreak in months. A recent outbreak of the Delta variant in Nanjing has infected hundreds and spread to other parts of the country. Chinese actor Zhang Zhehan has had a week full of drama, and by that we do not mean he's been working on a gripping television series or movie. Instead, the 30-year-old celebrity has landed himself in controversy after photos surfaced of him posing outside Tokyo's Yasukune Shrine. The Japanese shrine honors people who have died in wars involving Japan, including around 1,000 World War II war criminals. It is therefore regarded by many in China as a bitter reminder of Japan's invasion and brutal occupation of parts of the country. After inciting uproar on social media, more than 20 brands have terminated endorsement deals with the actor. Among these brands are Coca-Cola, Pandora, Maybelline, and Costa. Zhang has apologized on Weibo, saying that he lacked knowledge of the history associated with certain buildings when posing for the photos. Another week, another new restriction on the education sector. This time, the Chinese capital has targeted foreign textbooks. Primary and middle schools in the city of Beijing have been banned from using overseas textbooks in a regulation designed to further control the selection of school teaching material. 
The regulation asks high schools to only employ foreign textbooks in accordance with relevant national and city policies. According to the Beijing Municipal Education Commission, the move aims to strengthen the state's role in selecting teaching materials. From books to sneaky looks, there's been a national crackdown on illegal surveillance, which has resulted in more than 25,000 illegal webcams access permissions being tracked down. More than 1,500 sets of covert listing devices and spy cameras were also confiscated. The Cyberspace Administration of China said that the three-month campaign is aimed at activities including the illegal use of cameras to spy on people, the trading of such private videos, and the passing on of spying techniques. China's medical beauty industry has been shaken up by twin regulatory headwinds, one focused on financial and another on medical risks. Caixin has learned that regulators are bearing down on the potentially risky practice of lending cash to people to undergo cosmetic medical procedures, then bundling those loans into asset-backed securities traded on Chinese exchanges. The Shanghai and Shenzhen stock exchanges have barred loans tied to cosmetic procedures, usually taken out by consumers, from asset-backed securities traded on the bourses, according to a person familiar with the new rules, which will be applied to new issues. The country has also tightened rules on one of the most popular beauty treatments in the country, chemical peeling. For anyone not in the know, chemical peeling involves applying a chemical solution to the skin to remove the outer layers. The drug and medical devices regulator now states the treatment should only be performed by trained professionals at qualified hospitals or clinics, while over-the-counter cosmetics are banned from claiming or implying medical benefits. The news has battered associated stocks. Cicerum and Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical Group were among the worst hit. Both of their shares plunged more than 12% on last week Wednesday. Now let's turn to some geopolitical news. The Pakistani foreign ministry said that the explosion on a bus in Pakistan that killed nine Chinese nationals and three Pakistanis last month was a suicide bombing carried out by the Taliban movement. According to a ministry statement, the terrorist attack was planned in Afghanistan, which also provided material support, and the suicide bomber was trained in Afghanistan and brought to Pakistan to carry out the attack. The ministry added that some of those involved have been arrested while others remain in Afghanistan. Meng Wanzhou's extradition case is back in the headlines after entering its final stages in Vancouver. Meng is Huawei's CFO as well as the daughter of the tech giant's founder. American prosecutors have accused her of misleading HSBC about Huawei's business dealings in Iran and therefore causing the bank to breach U.S. trade sanctions. For over two years, she has been fighting her extradition from Canada to the U.S., where American authorities want her to face trial. Bloomberg reports that the Huawei senior executive's defense lawyers made a final push for a Canadian court to reject the U.S. extradition request. Last week, her lawyers argued that if Canada does give in to these extradition requests, this could embolden Washington to keep making such improper demands from foreign governments. One of her lawyers also reportedly told the court that the U.S. is not in charge of policing the world. The defense team's arguments build on Beijing's claims that the Huawei senior executive has become a bargaining chip 
as the U.S. seeks to contain the Chinese tech company. Hours before Meng appeared in a Vancouver courtroom, a Chinese court sentenced the Canadian citizen Michael Spavor to prison for 11 years for spying. Earlier the same week, China upheld a death sentence against a second Canadian national, Robert Lloyd Schellenberg, who has been convicted of drug trafficking. Canada's foreign minister has criticized the move, telling the press, quote, I don't think it's a coincidence that these things are happening right now while events are going on in Vancouver. Let's turn now to Caixin Global financial reporter Tang Ziyi. Welcome back to the show, Ziyi. Hi, Keza. How are we doing? Well, I'm full of dread and anxiety about the horrifying state of the world, but, you know, otherwise, fine, thanks. Uh, so, Zi, you are back on the show to talk about how China's carbon market, its ETS, or emissions trading system, is doing. Uh, it's a topic that's being closely watched by many people, myself included. Actually, I'm doing a show on it pretty soon. So, uh, how's it done in the month since it launched? Yeah, sure. Um, so, China's first nationwide ETS was uh, officially launched on July 16. And since the launch, the closing price has been hovering ab- above 50 yuan per ton of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. Okay, so just from the trading price, uh, what is it, eight, under $8 a ton, uh, that would seem kind of on the low side. Well, um, here's what's quite interesting. Uh, while the price is well below the levels in many other countries, China's ETS price has still added pressure to power generation companies that are trading on the market to reduce emissions. And uh, energy-intensive power generating facilities are expected to take an especially hard hit from the market. Um, that's because in the face of such soaring carbon costs, several power generation companies trading on the ETS have pledged to speed up their transition to new energy. And uh, among them are some of the country's biggest state-owned electricity companies. It sounds like some analysts are saying that the launch of the market, uh, the ETS, was too hasty and perhaps premature, and that it's in need of some improvements. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, um, so this all goes back to one point that the market is not liquid enough. So uh, on the market's first day of trading, carbon quotas equivalent to about 400,000 tons of emissions changed hands, but the trading volume slumped the following day and has remained below 120,000 tons for most of the trading days by far. So the problem is that currently only one type of companies is trading on the market, and the type is power generation firms. And also, some have said that the government has yet to fully clarify the responsibilities of different regulators supervising the market. So what is the way forward uh, for trying to get around these challenges and uh, improve the liquidity situation? Yeah, so uh, to boost market liquidity, the government has plans to gradually include financial institutions and companies from seven other industries, including petrochemicals and chemicals. But this is likely to take some time. And uh, also the state council China's cabinet is now designing higher-level 
carbon market regulations to supplement what's missing in current regulations. So watch this space. Okay, so the bottom line is look out for more liquidity as other industries are roped in and uh, look out for more regulation at the state council level. That's right. Well, great. Thanks, Z, for joining us. Thank you. See you next time, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin from Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Hear stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, Sixth Tone, and many other China-focused outlets on the China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.